Even on the best of days, stress can prevent us from being fully focused and doing our best work. And too much of it can lead to burnout, disengagement, more sick days, and strained relationships in the workplace. Headspace for Work is the enterprise-ready mindfulness program that leads to healthier organizations from the inside out. The proof is in the science. After a month of using Headspace, you and your teams can reduce stress by 32% and enjoy 14% greater focus. With Headspace for Work, you can build a custom program that fits your organization's needs and measures the impact you're making. Learn more about Headspace for Work today at headspace.com forward slash work. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Robert Glazer. He's a founder and a CEO, but he's also the author of one of my favorite newsletters, Friday Forward. Robert has turned the 52 most impactful stories from that weekly email into an incredible book. Friday Forward, the book, will give you the inspiration you need to reach your goals, lead others, and ultimately to fix work. Whenever somebody is really struggling or down about their job, I like to give books as gifts to help them think through their experiences and to get inspiration from others. And I think Friday Forward is one of those books that you could offer one of your friends in a similar situation. So if you're looking for different ideas or a different playbook about your job or your friends need that as well, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Robert Glazer. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Laurie. Yeah, I'm really happy you're here. You've got all kinds of new and exciting things to talk about, including a new book. But before we get into that, why don't you tell people who you are and what you're all about? Sure. I have a day job and a night job. (laughs) So my day job is I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Acceleration Partners. We are a partner marketing agency. We help companies build digital partnerships with different sites that drive business to them and get paid on a performance basis for that. So that company is about 170 people across six countries. And my night job is I, I started doing a lot of writing and sort of sharing and leadership development about passionate about how we built our business and and the type of things we did culturally. And we've been a remote company for 13 years. So I have a bunch of different initiatives and writing around sort of what we do and trying to work with other leaders to build better organizations. You know, before we talk about all that good stuff, I want to know how you're doing and how your family's doing and your business is doing in the age of COVID. It's hard to be a founder and entrepreneur under any circumstance, but is everybody healthy, business okay? Like, how's it going? Yeah, like, I appreciate you asking. I think I, you know, I feel like I talked to a lot of people who, you know, they're asking, I think a lot of company leaders are asking other people how they're doing all day and no one ever asked them, which is interesting. But my family's good. I mean, all things considered, look, we have jobs, roof over our head, healthy, we're comparative very lucky. Our business is also in an industry that's faring pretty well. You know, at the same time, you know, we have a remote workforce and we've always been remote that is heavily female. A lot of, you know, new parents or the demographic that like flexibility. And so that is a particularly burdened demographic right now. And so, well, you know, we have work to do and stuff. It's a struggle right now for people. And, and mental health has been sort of paramount and first and foremost in a lot of our conversations. You know, you've been remote for a long time. A lot of companies are making that transition right now. And because of that awkward transition, that's not going well in a lot of 
organizations, women are just falling out of the workforce, right? And this is going to affect them for generations and affect their families for generations. Yeah, I've read it said back working women back 10 years. There was an article last week. That's right. So what do you think about that? And when you talk to other founders, CEOs, what's the thinking? What are some of the solutions? Or are we still at this point where we're just kind of really grappling with the impact on women? Yeah, the impacts on caregivers. And I think for a lot of people, families, that is still women. And look, this is a very difficult leadership thing to handle and manage the middle because there's some companies that don't know how to do remote. And so that's really you know tough. Look, I think we're very good at remote. We've won 25 Best Places to Work Awards to fight the fact that we're virtual. But we have this catch-22 that the people who were attracted to virtual work were the ones who needed flexibility. Now, their kids weren't working from home. Their kids were in kindergarten and daycare and otherwise. But They wanted the flexibility 8 a.m. or 5 p.m. Now with those kids home, there's just nothing that one can do in that situation, you know, other than to try to be flexible. But then at some point, it pushes into, you know, client issues or dissatisfaction and this juggling of, you know, this is super stressful. But the flip side is if we don't do the work and upset enough clients, then there won't be jobs. So I think it's as difficult a thing for anyone to navigate to try to, you know, maintain what the business needs to keep people employed. And then at the same time, figure out how to be as flexible as possible and as understanding as possible. I mean, one of the ways I explained it is we do a lot of engagement and tiny pulse. And, and, and a year ago, if people were stressed or we saw a huge spike in stress, I could dig into something in the business that we could fix. Oh, there's too many end of month reports or, you know, our count ratios are off or like it was a business problem to fix. Now it's it's not. It's not right. If people are stressed, you know, I think their capacity for stress is just starting at such a lower level, and it has to do with everything that's going on outside of work. So we acknowledge it, we talk about it, we work with people, we try to get them to be honest. But it is a juggling act because if you did exactly what every employee needed, you probably have no business, uh, and then that wouldn't be what they needed. I can't pretend like there's a magic bullet for that. No, and and you're right. I mean, these are systemic problems that are rooted elsewhere outside of the business. And like with most things in global corporations, we deal with the environment that we're given. And sometimes it's messy and complicated. Having to have a two-year-old and a five-year-old at home trying to pretend to work remotely while you're doing your... I mean, that's just not... The degree of difficulty on that is, is a nine out of 10. Yeah, that's 100% right. Well, you know, I know you're passionate about leadership and you talked a little bit about your night job, really thinking about what makes organizations tick, what makes top performers tick. And let's talk about your new book. What's the inspiration for it? What's it all about? Yeah, well, so Friday Forward started as just a note to my team a few years ago, coming out of some leadership work that I did and around improving morning routine and getting up early and thinking about something positive and reading something positive and then just some quiet thinking and reflection on the day. And I liked the concept. We were given some quote books and stuff that were just a little too rainbow and unicorny for me in terms of reading something positive. And so after a couple of weeks, I was looking at some stories I had and I decided I'd kind of merge those activities and, and maybe start just sending a note to my team every Friday. It was called Friday inspiration. It just focused on kind of getting better. I like to joke around that what it came in is a little bit spicy chicken soup for the soul, not chicken soup for the soul. Like it kind of pushes people to be better, kind of dives into something. And, you know, to make a long story short, people started sharing that outside the organization. As I realized it was being shared and people asked 
me forward and include them. I, I opened it up at one point so anyone could sign up for it. A couple of people wrote articles about it. And now five years later, there's 200,000 people in 60 countries that get that email every morning. And I ended up leading me to write this book, Elevate, because I wrote the Friday Forward compilation book and all the publishers were like, nah, you're the first time author, no one likes compilation book. And it actually, it led me down a good journey to this book, Elevate. But I always wanted to pull together the stories of Friday Forward. And what I ended up doing was pulling them together around the themes of capacity building that I wrote in my first book, Elevate. But it's a different type of book. You don't have to read a cover to cover. You know, you can read one or two stories a day. You can go back to them. I think it sort of aligns to how people live and work these days. They have like four books half read on their nightstand. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, wait, are you in my house? I mean, do yeah. you just, are you in my brain? Nonfiction. That's... I think nonfiction people never, they don't finish the books. The books I've written are about an hour, an hour and a half to read. I think it's just, it's kind of like the podcast world. We want to consume content. We want to learn something. We want to move on. That's right. What are some of the stories that stick with you from the book? Share one or two with us. Yeah, I mean, I'll share a thematic one and a personal one. I mean, there's one in there about how my son and I ended up at the Super Bowl together through sort of a series of improbabilities and end up seeing the best Super Bowl ever. And it almost didn't happen a few times. And just some lessons about, you know, kind of vision and wanting something and then, you know, just not regretting the things that you do, but more regretting the things that you don't do. You know, the other one thematically, there's some really popular ones. The early morning, early riser story of Elrod is one that a lot of people like. There's one called World Class about how this woman who's really the top venture capitalist in country got her break at Yale, like making really good copies, like in an internship and just doing good work. But thematically, I actually really like the ones that sort of debunk the myth of the overnight success, which I think is a lie that a lot of people tell themselves about other people's stories to make them feel better about themselves. And it goes into sort of Ed Sheeran's story of just like years of struggle, failure. And and, and look, to be a singer songwriter at the level that he's at, it's hard to just be one of those. The talent is undeniable, but you know, he just fought through failure for five years and just wasn't going to give up. And it'd be very easy to look back and be like, oh, well, it's just talented and rose to the top of that. That's never really the story. I've met him. I think he's a great guy. And I just love kind of learning more about his story. We've almost made it through 2020, but it's never been more critical for businesses and HR leaders to address the mental well-being of their teams head on. Headspace for Work is the scientifically proven enterprise-ready mindfulness program that leads to healthier organizations from the inside out. Help your team stress less, avoid burnout, and focus better throughout the day after using the custom program you develop with Headspace to fit your organization's needs. Learn about Headspace for Work today at headspace.com forward slash work. Hey, everybody. Chances are you've spent the past few months cooped up with your family, buried under a relentless news cycle, and with work that never seems to switch off. Millions of us worldwide are overworked, exhausted, and trying our hardest, yet not getting the recognition we deserve. It's time for a fix. That's why I wrote my new book, Betting on You, How to Put Yourself First and Finally Take Control of Your Career. It's an essential guide for how to snap out of autopilot and become your own best advocate with candid and new stories and easy-to-adopt steps. I wrote this book for you. I believe in you, and I would be honored if you would pre-order it today. Head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash books. That's laurierudeman.com forward slash books and pre-order your copy today. 
You know, it's really interesting that you're a leader and also a storyteller by nature. And I wonder why it is you write, because all of us have a reason. You know, I've got a reason why I get up in the morning. Writing helps me think. And it's just a means in which I figure out the world. And I also feel like I'm compelled to share some of these stories. I don't know why. So why do you write? I've done a lot of work on sort of core values, core purpose, connecting that to why and where it came from. And so my core purpose is to share ideas that help people and organizations grow. So that is why I write. That is why I talk about this stuff. That's what gives me sort of, you know, enjoyment. I've gotten pretty clear on that at, at this point. When I figure something out and the things that we've done at our company that are different and where people said would never work and counterintuitive, like I want to like open source it. I don't want... Because I think it can help people. I don't want to like patent it. It's just a different mindset. I like that idea that you have around open source. It leads me to think about all the people in the HR industry, which is my primary industry, who for years kind of kept their hands around the good stuff and didn't share it. And now there's this real strong open source movement led by a man named Lars Schmidt, who's like, if you've got some good stuff, share it. It not only benefits the function of HR, it benefits society at large. Are you seeing more of that in this world, that trend to just open source the good stuff? Well, look, this is why we have almost a COVID vaccine in nine months, because the medical community has shared everything, opened itself up, you know, and just created results that no one has ever seen. So I haven't thought about that on a trend. I think there is the ability to do it. So I think social media and sort of personal branding has given people who want to do it more of a platform to do it because before it was sort of a choice, right? Do you want to be a practitioner or do you want to be sort of a out there preaching something? It was hard to do both. And to me, actually, there's a little more credibility. Like I love all the brilliant academic thinkers and all this stuff, but you know, I always like Jason Fried from Basecamp and those type of people who are actually doing it. It's one thing to talk about something in theory and in the classroom and another to share something that someone's actually doing. Yeah. And I love people who aren't afraid to share the good stuff because it's not going to be copied. If anything, it's going to be emulated and then taken in a different direction. If you want to copy our company, I've been pretty clear about what our core values are, how we do everything. Like if someone wants to make that commitment, first of all, it'd be inauthentic because it wouldn't be who they were and what they valued and all that stuff. So I think the what we do stuff, you know, we keep that a little more proprietary. I think how we do it, because I really do think that leadership and more human oriented companies, like it just can make a huge impact on people's lives. Well, I like where all of this is going. And I wonder, you know, we've got a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are wannabe authors, right? They work in human resources or executive coaching or leadership, but they have an idea. So I wonder if you can share what surprised you about writing this book or any other book. Like what's something you learned either about yourself or about the process? Yeah, writing the book is like one tenth of the work in the nonfiction world. So I think what most people don't realize, you can write a book, but then you need to market it. You need to, it's a full time job. So I think a lot of people are surprised that, you know, just because you can get the book out there, it's like the field of dreams. Like just because you have it doesn't mean anyone's going to read it. So it's almost better to build an audience first before you write a book. It's also really hard to sell a book or get traction without an audience. That's just the sort of way of the nonfiction model these days. And the way to build an audience is not necessarily write a book, but create value for others, write content that doesn't have a marketing angle. But really, the thing that gets shared a million times is the thing that wasn't designed to be marketing. It was designed to actually help the reader. And to me, that's how you can start building your following and your audience and a platform that would allow you to write a book or books. I think one of the most frustrating things for people who are first time or wannabe authors is this tension between really creating great content and also doing the work of marketing. And so your point is really important. But I think it's 
if someone has a full-time job where they're passionate and they're really operating within their skills and competencies and abilities, right? They're there. Then they have to take that second job of building the audience and building the marketing plan. It's almost daunting. And I wonder how many authors just opt out and just say, you know what? I'm not going to share my great idea because this system sucks. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, look, it's what you know to the who you know. So anyone can publish a book, right? These days, the problem is you can get it out there. It can be one of those glossy Amazon looking things, but then it's really hard to have authority or impact from that. So it should be hard to do something you know, worth doing or else everyone should do it. But I think if someone so believes that that content has to get out there and it's comp- like in some ways, it's sort of a Darwinian process of, you know, if you believe in it enough, then you will come hell or high water, you will do what needs to be done to get that out to the world. But that has to really be a selfless endeavor, right? It has to be that I believe this can change our industry or this practice or whatever. It can't be, I want everyone to know that I'm smart, because that will come across clearly and people won't want to help you. So did you feel that about Friday Forward? Were you super passionate? Like people have to read this book? Well, it started from a platform, right? So I mean, I knew that Friday Forward was making an impact on people. And so I felt like a book was the next logical expansion of that. And I just I knew I wanted a physical thing that could be passed around or I envisioned how it would be used like on the night table and sort of lying around. So I don't know that if I was just taking a guess on the concept, having not had the proof of a following, you know, I might not have had that same level of conviction. But look, a lot of people reach out to me and say, my book's launching in like a month. What do I do? And I'm like, start nine months ago. I, mm-hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so, Having gone through this myself, it's a two-year journey minimum. Look, I'm a marketer first and foremost. So while I didn't know about book marketing, like I knew about marketing, I knew about SEO, like a, a bunch of these things. So had an advantage. Someone who's not involved in selling or marketing, again, you're a doctor or something, and you don't have a million person platform or a list or whatever, it's really hard. I don't want to sugarcoat that for anyone. You know, your point around something worth doing and doing well is oftentimes hard is really interesting. And I think there's a lot of examples in the business world around that. But if it's good and you want to do it, it's probably going to be hard. Can you think about some other stories from Friday Forward that you'd like to share with us that really teach some important lessons about the world of business, especially in the era of COVID? Yeah, I I mentioned the one world class. I'll go into that a little more because... So Americo, you know, had this internship and she just had this father who just always said to her, like, do everything the best that you can do, no matter what it was. And then this internship that she had, she was calling him. He's like, you know, I think you should do the best that you can do. And she said, dad, but I'm like, I'm pushing papers and filing stuff like and her dad had sort of an immigrant mentality. And he said, I think you should think about it. And so she sort of made this commitment. If I was going to ask to get donuts, I was going to find the best donuts. I was going to file stuff perfectly. And she got asked to give a tour when someone was out because people thought very highly of her, even though the work product was not like, you know, essay writing or whatever. And the guy who she ended up touring was the CEO of Hewlett Packard, who invited her out to come meet with him on internship to meet at an event with Bill Gates and just totally changed her perception of herself and what she could do. And there's another story in there too, about a plumber, a similar thing. I don't want to give the whole book away, but just this concept of like excellence and like 
So we had a keynote speaker at our company last week for our annual event, which is now virtual, who climbed Everest with the first all women's team. And she said, what's the best I can do in the worst moment? You know, this was her sort of thought to herself at the top of the mountain, like when it was all falling apart and she didn't think they were going to summit. And I just thought that was so perfect in the world of COVID. And just if we just put excellence in and do the best that we can do all the time, like it matters. And those opportunities fall into our lap. And the quote that people ask me, like, what's the quote, you know, that really embodies? And I think just the how we do anything is how we do everything. You know, I really, I've come to believe that. Yeah, I believe that as well. You know, my grandmother said that to me. And my friend, Jesse Itzler said that to me. And I went, oh my God. I quoted a yoga teacher for like four years on that saying, I heard it in a yoga class. I was like, this yoga teacher said this great quote. Just like, I think 80% of quotes are misattributed. Even when I've gone to do my book and I've done the research, the people at the author then find another reference. It's amazing. So it's funny. And I'm like, oh, that's a really famous quote. (laughs) I didn't know that. I quoted this (laughs) yoga teacher for years. Well, you know, I gave credit to my grandma for years. So we all have our sources of inspiration. I saw a speaker who once said that the first time I use a quote, I source it. The second time I don't, the third time it's mine. Oh, (laughs) you know, I'm going to steal that. Absolutely. I think that's brilliant. Well, you know, Robert, it's been a real joy to learn a little bit about you and learn a little bit about your book. Let's give a real clear call to action. What do you want people to think about this conversation and where do you want them to go? Yeah, look, I'd love if they join the Friday Forward movement, take five minutes each week to think about one of these things and think about how they could get better. So if they want to do that, you can go to robertglazer.com, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. You can sign up for Friday Forward. You can learn more about the books there, the podcast, but it's free and it's easy. And hopefully it adds a little value to your Friday. Well, thanks for teaching me a little something today. I appreciated the conversation and thanks for being a guest on Punk Rock HR. Thanks, Laura. Help your team be kind to their minds. Choose Headspace for work for a happier, healthier work culture. Visit headspace.com forward slash work to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bob Glazer. Now, if you're looking for more information on the book or how to connect with Bob, head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash punkrockhr dash 138. I love that my job is bringing you stories from people who've thought critically about how to fix work. It's pretty cool. It's actually an honor compared to some of the other jobs I used to have. So thank you for letting me do it. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. Punk Rock HR.